Uh, If you have your Bibles this morning, we are in Isaiah chapter 56, uh, verses 6 to 8. So if you have your Bibles, that's where we are. Um, I'm going to be reading uh, Isaiah 56, verses 6 to 8. Just check that I'm not going to be blown away by the fans above me. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord and to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain. That's a picture of the temple. And make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted at my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, declares, I will gather yet others to him, besides those already gathered. Now, over the last few weeks, uh, we've been looking at a few things that we, uh, as Freedom Church, are called to be characterised by. And... uh, We've been looking at how do we want to build those things into who we are and everything that we do as a church. And we've been doing that thinking both collectively, together as a church in all that we do and are, but also individually. We've been doing that by looking at this question that, that God asks his people in Isaiah 66, chapter, uh, verse 2. He says, what kind of house will you build for me? We've been using that question, which is a a reference to the temple, uh, to look at, well, what is it we're building here at Freedom Church? As we, in these early days, still very much in these early days of what is it that God is going to establish here? And as we came through our series in 1 Peter, we saw that Peter, who uses a lot of different images from the Old Testament, points to the temple as as a picture of the church, the, the gathered people of God. And so we've zoomed in on this picture. You know, all that the, the Peter's saying is what the temple was in the Old Testament, in that covenant, the church, not as a building, but as living stones, we together, the gathered people of God, are today. And so we've been zooming in on that picture in, in order to answer that question, well, what kind of house are we going to build? Looking at As we've done that, we've looked at the role of the temple in the Old Testament, in that it plays there, and then thinking, okay, well, what does that then mean for us? If we are called to be the temple today, the centre of worship where God dwells today, what does that mean for what we're building, and what we're part of globally as the church, and what we're building here in North Hull? Um, So we've seen, over the last weeks, we've seen that The temple, the first thing we saw when we looked at the temple was the temple points away from itself and towards Jesus. We saw in Hebrews, didn't we, that the writer to the Hebrews, he says that the temple, talking about the tabernacle and the rituals and the the ornaments and different rooms and plates and bowls and sacrifices and altars, he says all of that was an imperfect shadow of things to come. It was a, a foreshadowing a prelude, a trailer for what Jesus was going to do. It was imperfect, but when the perfect comes, talking of Jesus, he he comes and he is the high priest, he is the sacrifice. In days gone by, they used to, year after year, perform these sacrifices. But the writer to the Hebrews says, 
they, they proved that they themselves weren't the, the thing that was coming because they had to happen again and again and again. No, when Jesus comes, he is the sacrifice. He lays down his life and it is completed. It is finished. And so the temple points away from itself towards what Jesus is going to do. It, it's a sign of, God's, uh, of, of the separation that we have from God. There is a need for uh, sacrifice. There is a need for uh, retribution, for, for covering of sins. And it's a sign of God's intention and good desire to want to be with his people. Even, even whilst we have to have a curtain between us, he wants to dwell with his people. And so, and so with, with that in mind, just as the temple was appointed to what Jesus was going to do. We as a church, we want everything that we do and are to point people to Jesus. So that when people see us, hear us singing, the songs that we sing and hear the word preached and see us as we break bread and as we give out food parcels in the week on Orchard Park and as we are running craft groups, all of that ought to point people towards Jesus, away from ourselves. We don't want freedom to ha- be the name that people remember. We want people to remember Jesus. And we want people to see Jesus beyond us. We are a signpost. So when people see us, the eyes bounce from us, beyond us, to see, ah, that's why they are what they are. That's, that's who they are. They, they belong to something bigger. They belong to something else. We saw also that, that it's God who builds. That, that question, what kind of house will you build for me? isn't a, an anticipated, it's not, oh, I wonder what they're going to build for me. It comes with a challenge. It is a sharp challenge. What kind of house do you think that you could build for me, says God? It's, he says, I who, who fill the heavens and the earth. You know, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What are you going to build for me? The challenge is, you know, we don't want to feel like we can build something great for God. As though, as though we could. No, it is God who builds. We saw as we looked into that, we saw that you know, unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labour in vain. We want to be building. So in answer to that question, what kind of house are you going to build for me? We want to say, well, God, we want to build what you're building. We want to build what you're doing. So we want to be responsive to what you're doing. We want to be faithful. And we said that, that one, of those things, one of the things that that does is it's really releasing for us because suddenly it doesn't depend on our best strategies and ideas. I wonder how we can get people into the room. But it's dependent on what God is doing. And we just have to be faithful and obedient in following him in that. We saw that what, what we want to build is we want to build a place of worship. The temple is the centre of worship in the Old Testament. People come and they, they meet with God there. And we want to be a place where our worship, the Bible says that our, he inhabits the praise of his people. Our worship, again, is a, a pointer to the world uh, to Jesus, for the world to Jesus. And that, as we saw, is done in spirit and in truth. Jesus, as he's having a conversation with the woman of Samaria, he says, that, he says you know, there day will come when they won't worship in the temple or on this mountain, but they will worship in spirit and in truth. And they, those are the things that characterize our worship. Great this morning to be feel the spirit with us as we sing, but also to, to know that what we're singing is is true and anchored uh, faithful words of scripture and then last week as Brian preached to us we saw that the temple is where the presence of God dwells and so 
just as the, the Holy Spirit, God by his presence, was there in the temple, we believe that he is here amongst us this morning. Whenever we gather and as we go about our day-to-day lives, God is there. His presence dwells. Now, what do we mean by presence? Because God is everywhere. True. You know, he says, um, do I not fill the heavens and the earth? That's Jeremiah. He says, God says, I fill everything. So what do, what do we mean by presence? Well, in the, uh, throughout the scriptures, we see that as well as having this idea that God is everywhere and filling all in all, and that's one of the big arguments for not being able to house him or contain him, there's also this picture that we have of there are times and places where God reveals his perfect holiness, purity, power, and, who, and his character, who he is, in such a way that, 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 that there you can encounter the living God. And that's what's happening in the temple. And as we saw last week, as Brian unpacked that, that is what it, all believers carry with them all the time as they go about their day-to-day life. What was contained in the temple has now been poured out on all flesh in abundantly. That's what we see happening in Acts 2, isn't it? It's the Spirit poured out on all flesh. Now, as we come to this passage that we've just read, we see that woven into all of those things that the temple is and does and is meant to be, we see God's purpose in reaching and rescuing and gathering all peoples to himself. What the temple was is meant to, in all that it does, is meant to be a pointer to, to, for all the nations, to Jesus, to God, to gather people in. So this temple that was uniquely Jewish, it was, it was for the people of Israel. This was assigned to them. It was part of the covenant that they belonged to. Now, as we read this passage, we see this is being blown open. Everybody's invited in. This temple points to, with all its images of priestly service, with the Sabbath, with offerings, sacrifice and altars, all of it is pointing to now the, it's just pointing to and describing God's plan to rescue all nations. For God says, as he's talking, looking ahead to Jesus earlier in Isaiah, he says, it is too small a thing that I should rescue only Israel. So this is Isaiah 49. It's too small a thing that I should save Israel alone. I will make you a light for all nations that my salvation reaches the ends of the earth. And when we zoom out and we look at Scripture as a whole, we see that this was always the plan. The plan was never just for Israel to be saved. No, we see that right from the start, Adam and Eve in the garden, fill the earth, multiply. These humans, these first humans, given the image of God, fill the earth with the glorious image of God. He says, go, fill the earth. He doesn't want them to contain them in Eden. He says, this is what I want for you. I want you to fill the earth, multiply. Noah, again, as as they step out the ark, they're given that command again, that that their image-bearingness is reaffirmed. They're told, you are image-bearers of God, fill the earth, multiply. And all of this fits with the purpose of God throughout human history which culminates, which finishes in Habakkuk's great prophecy where he says 
One day, the day is coming, that the earth will be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. That's Habakkuk 2.14. One day, this day is coming where, where you won't be able to move except that there will be the glory of God covering the earth. And you'll encounter it everywhere. And this is the plan. This is what God's plan for earth is. For humanity is, is that the whole thing would be included. Abraham, as he, Abraham arrives on the scene, the promise over Abraham is, you're going to be fruitful. You're going to be fruitful, and through your fruitfulness, the whole earth will be blessed. Through your offspring, blessing will come to all nations. And then we see in the prophets, and then now here in Isaiah, talking about the temple, this call on the temple to be a beacon to the nations. It will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But what we see is we see that this call, time and time again, for Israel, for the temple, is neglected. In fact, earlier on in Isaiah, I mean, this passage that we've read is, is kind of a nod back to what happened earlier in Isaiah, where, where God says this to his people. It shall come to pass, this is Isaiah 2, verse 2, it should come up on the screen. Um, it shall come to pass... In the later days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it and many people shall come and and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of God, to the God of Jacob, that we may teach, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law. That is the instruction, the, the teaching, the word of God and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge between the nations and he shall decide disputes for many people. The king shall come and he will rule over all. His call on, on Israel is to be a beacon to the nations. To bring, to, to bring the kingdom and the reign of God over all lands. And yet, the passage goes on and shows how that's the exact opposite has happened. Israel, they've not been the centre where the word of God has come out from. But actually, they've adopted the ways and practices, even just the next couple of verses go on to say, that Israel, you know, you've got, the, uh, you've got their, their witch doctors in amongst you. You've, they've got, you've got your, their treasures, you've, got their, you've adopted their ways. And the rebuke comes, you were meant to be this beacon. You were meant to be where the word of God goes from. You weren't meant to collect their things and and belong to them and adopt their ungodly practices. You were meant to be a beacon to them. Jesus, when he comes to the temple, he actually quotes where we started. You know, Isaiah uh, uh, 56, as he's clearing out the temple, as he's turning over temples, as he's driving them out with a whip, he says, this was meant to be a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. You know, we think of, of you know, that, that zeal, the, the prophet says, the zeal for my house will consume me. Zeal for your house will consume me. And the, and the disciples, as they look at this, they see this. But we, we're not to think that Jesus, as he's, as he's doing that, is just, he, he's passionate about this special place. And he wants to make sure that it stays special and clean and this thing isn't happening. No, he's got a particular purpose of the temple in mind as he does this. Now, this, is, this is for the nations. And as you do this, you're, you're not 
being the beacon of light to the nations, you've adopted their ways. You've, you've taken on the ways of the world and you're not, you're not demonstrating the ways of God to them. But even as Jesus does this, he knows, as he's clearing out the temple, he knows that he is going to be the servant to fulfill all righteousness and he's going to fulfill the promises it's in him that all promises are yes and amen he's the one who's going to be the light to the nations he's going to be the sacrifice that gathers in gathers us all in and breaks down all dividing walls between us and and other nations between us and God he's going to be the one who brings peace to those who are far and to those who are near he's going to be the one who who, who makes us, foreigners as we are, part of God. That, that passage that we started on, Isaiah 56, talks about that being bound to God, having taken hold of God. He's the one who's going to do that for us. He's going to make us, foreigners though we are to the things of God, part of his house that he is building. Ephesians 2, 13-19 says this. Again, this will come up on the screen. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who has made us both uh, one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of his hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he may create in himself one new man in place of the two making so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So, that, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, foreigners, but you are fellow citizens and set with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This, Paul says, is, he goes on to say, this is the mystery of God revealed. This is the great purpose of God in human history. It's to, to bring all people to himself. To bring all people to a knowledge of who he is and into his presence. So that one day, we get this picture in Revelation, one day every tribe and tongue and nation will come before the throne. And this great multitude, all relying on Jesus, all filled with the same spirit, all encountering the same gospel, will be brought into his kingdom and his house will be a house of prayer for all nations wherever you come from it will be your house and you are built into it not quite grasping this yet the disciples say to Jesus in Acts 1 are you, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel and Jesus says I'm sending you to the ends of the earth I'm sending you into Samaria and to the ends of the earth earlier in his teaching, Jesus says, I've got other sheep who are not of this flock. 
got other, there are other sheep who are mine who, who aren't here in Israel. And so what we see amazingly in the New Testament is the parameters, the, the, the boundaries of what it means to be can, the people of God shifts from being a descendant of Abraham to being Jesus's by faith, belonging to him, belonging to his flock. So even as my mum shared earlier, you know, we're like, we, we are a little flock now. As I say, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's the core. That is what we are called to. And that is what God is doing. That is the great purpose in human history. Is to gather all peoples to himself. So, how does this call and God's plan for the nations play out today? What's, what's that going to look like today? Well, it's, it happens through the church. You see at the end of Matthew's Gospel what we call the Great Commission. I'm sure you be aware of it. Jesus says, All authority has been given to me, therefore go, make disciples of, of, of all people, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, fear not, I'll be with you. Go. All authority is mine. I'm, I'm the king who's returned, who's going to claim this, this crown over all nations. I'm going to bring peace under my rule. Now go and proclaim my king in my authority, full of my power. Go. The church, you know, this, this gospel advance, is the thing that's happening in world history today. That's, that's the era that we live in. If you want to know what time do we live in, we live in the, the, the days of the church's gospel advance. That's, the, that's what is happening in human history today. And it's an amazing thing that actually it's the church, that's again, not an organisation, not a building, not a meeting, but the church, the gathered people of God, those who have been gathered in because of Jesus' sacrifice, the church become, it becomes both the primary means how it's going to get done and the primary aim of mission right so let me unpack that a little bit the primary means uh, the church is is the vehicle that god is going to use to bring the gospel there's not there's not something else that's that's waiting in the wing the the, the gospel is going to go th- through the earth to the ends of the earth through all people to be proclaimed in all nations through the church that's us all of us the local church belongs to this and it's the aim we see that you know, that's that's what god is doing he, what is he what's god doing at the moment he's gathering all people to himself that's the that's where we're going again that picture in revelation where all nations gather before the throne that is that is what god is doing and we see this at work through through our acts you know as the the disciples acts 2 filled with the spirit uh, in order to fill with that, that power to fulfill this call on them thinking hang on this, are we to take the gospel to the ends of the earth how many of us are there again okay how, and how many how many languages do you know <laughs> filled with the spirit they are empowered to do to do what they've been called to do and so even in that moment there is immediate multinational response Gospel, the, the Holy Spirit comes and suddenly the church is empowered to be what it's meant to be. And many people hear the gospel preached in their own language and they respond. 3,000 people saved that day. Brian, as we said last week, was talking to us about 
what it means for the power and presence of God to dwell in his people. Just like he used to dwell in the temple that we feel. He was making this point of when we understand that, I mean, really grasp that, it raises our expectations, doesn't it? When we think this same God who created all things, who cannot be contained in anything, who has now poured himself out on all flesh, calls us to go to the ends of the earth, he who calls us also has authority to equip us and to empower us for what we're called to do. So it raises expectations. And you see these amazing stories throughout the book of Acts as the, as the church goes from city to city, from town to town, preaching the gospel, planting churches, and, and seeing incredible works as that happens. And that's what Paul says as he finishes his letter to the Romans. He says, you know, my, uh, my, my, my ministry has been fulfilled. I've, I've preached the gospel. I've done what God has given me to do from all the way from Jerusalem to Illyricum. This is by words and by deeds, by power of uh, signs and wonders and by the power of the Holy Spirit. The gospel has gone from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, which is kind of between Greece and Italy. The gospel has done that, not by anything I've done, but by the power of God at work in me. And so that same thing continues today. The stories that we see unfolding in the book of Acts continue to today. With the same call and commission and the same promise and power. We are still called under the authority of Jesus to make disciples of all nations. To go to the ends of the earth. And in this, all believers are involved. It's not just missionaries or a special few that we send off and occasionally get a note back from every month. Here's my monthly update. Um, no, all believers are included in this. Paul, as he's, as he's writing to the Philippians, he talks to them as, you are part- partakers in the gospel, and so you're partners in... Uh, if you partakers in grace, you're partners in the gospel. And so Paul, who's writing from prison at that point, he, he t- tells them, you have a share in my imprisonment, and you have a share in my victories. You're, you, you're partnering with me. So he brings them into prison with him. And he gives them the accolades that he would have for the, the advance of the gospel. He says, you have a share in both of these things. If you've, if you've eaten this bread and drunk this cup and you've, you've partaken of grace, you belong to this family that is on a mission. There is no such thing as a Christian who is not a missionary, who doesn't belong to this this kingdom advancing mission and so it's not just for a special few so when we think about us here at freedom church what does it look like here well the first and most obvious thing is we exist because of this call and because is an interesting word i was just thinking about this as i was writing my notes this morning because can mean both purpose why are we here and cause how did we get here you know, um, I left my house because I went through the front door and I was outside. Um, but I left my house because I needed to pop out to get some milk. You know, cause, <laughs> I went through the front door. Purpose, I had something I, ne- I had to do. Um, for both of those reasons, we exist because of that call. We exist because 
we've been called and we've been sent from Jubilee to see that to see that call of making disciples of all nations happen here in North Hull on Endike Lane and the streets and the area around us and we exist also to, to, to continue to see that happen because we want to continue to make that happen again and again to see that replicated you know, we did not leave Jubilee because we had some friends who were moving up to North Hull or because meeting on Endike Lane is somehow more convenient for us than it is to go into the city centre every week or uh, because it's nice to be part of a small, smaller group and you know, I don't get lost in the crowd so much no, we are here to make Jesus known we're here to, because the gospel is advancing and because we want to see Jesus' name lifted above uh, North Hull and we can't neglect that call the story in the Old Testament of the Tower of Babel. Again, humans given the, the call to go fill the earth, multiply, to take the image of God that they, they, they are bearing to the ends of the earth. At Babel, they all come together and they go, let's build something really special here. And they neglect the call to go. And they try and build something impressive that's, that they can all enjoy together. But they've forgotten the call of God is to, to go to the ends of the earth. And God comes and scatters them. Now the danger is that we would be so excited by what we're building here that we forget that we're also part of going to the ends of the earth. You know, I hope that, we, that as we grow and as we continue to move forward as a church, we see something beautiful built here. A, a great com- with great community, great events, great Sunday morning gatherings. But I would hate for that to come at the expense of the call that we have to go to the ends of the earth. To the very ends of the earth. And it would be easy for us to do that. In Jerusalem, the early church, they're gathering, they, they were all the churches in Jerusalem, suddenly persecution breaks out and the people are scattered. Similar to Babel. They're scattered. And, and we're told churches were planted. We're not given the names of the people who did it, but people go and they just gossip the gospel. The gospel goes and it, and it finds itself in Samaria and up in Antioch and over here and over there because the people were scattered. But you can imagine that the early church just wanted to stay in Jerusalem. I get to hear Peter preach every week. And James is he's great. No, no the, the, the aim is to go, to go to the ends of the earth. We want to be outward looking. We don't want to be put up our parish boundaries and say this is where we operate. No, we want to be people who are outward looking, even small as we are. We, want to be, we believe that God has given us and put on our hearts future church plants. So what God has done here, we want to see that happen again in places like Bridlington and Withensy and Beverly. We're part of, obviously, connected with Jubilee as we continue to see churches planted next week we're not here by the way if you, if you come here next week you won't find us because we're going to be down at Jubilee in, in the city centre we're launching Steve and Joe Whittington who, uh, who were part of planting uh, uh, Jubilee um, a number of years ago that we are launching them to Birmingham to see another similar work started there we're part of this great thing we're outward looking and we want to continue to be we want to see this one new man that's talked about here in Ephesians outworked here we want to see people from all different backgrounds we want to see not just 
people who have been born and bred in Hull, but we, we, we do want to see that, but we want to see Africans and Eastern Europeans and Roma people, and wonderful to have Iranians with us, and, and we want to see more and more of that. As the one new man, those who were far off, you know, I tell you, people left on their own start wars, and wars leave scars. One of the great promises of God is that he's going to come and uh, bring peace and break down all dividing walls. You see that firstly in the church. This one new man is happening. We, we sent off, um, Jen's parents were with us um, the other day. We sent them off happily yesterday um, down the road back home, uh, not knowing that they were actually driving on a road that was going to be closed because uh, there was a World War, undetonated World War II bomb there. And we sit thinking, wow, even years on, these wars have left their scars on our nation. Oh, but, but Jesus comes and he preaches peace to those who are near, preaches peace to those far off, and brings his reign to earth. That's what we want to see. We want to see it here in Freedom Church, in this, in this church. And I know that, that racism is a, is, a, is a key issue right now. It's, it's rare. You know, we've seen it in Hull. We want to fight against it. We want to show the world, no, this is what the kingdom of God is like. One new man. And we see it as well in our involvement wider with regions beyond. It was great. Um, I mean, again, we were praying this morning for uh, South Africa. Uh, we've got friends in South Africa, region of Chosen in South Africa. It was great last week that we were able to do that. Hearing some news from Steve Oliver, uh, sharing that video and then praying together Sunday morning for, for the work that those churches are doing in that nation in this hard time. We want to continue to do that. Great also uh, that we've been able to have, even whilst we've been meeting, whilst we've been meeting online, we were able to raise um, some hundreds of pounds to send to India and the COVID relief work that's been going on there. Amazing that, that even as we've been started, we've had the privilege of being involved in, in these things around the world and, and even seeing um, another church plant in the Philippines. I don't even remember um, praying for that. That was um, wonderful and they've been growing as we have and, and seeing uh, God at work as we have they start at a similar time to us and so it's wonderful to be involved in that we want people to uh, and of course again the other th- another thing we're involved in is, is the church planting training I know some of us are involved in that uh, but as a church we have the privilege of uh, running along with Jubilee uh, regions beyond UK church planting training and the, the idea there is that again we are outward looking we see churches planted we want when people enter this hall to find themselves no longer just on Endike Lane but we want them to be caught up in the great story that we're caught up in having partaken of this grace that they would be partners in the gospel with us we want to see people who, who walk through these doors find themselves I have family in the Philippines now. <laughs> I've got brothers and sisters in South Africa. I've got, I've got friends and relatives in, in Southeast Asia and North America and Brazil and India. Things that I belong to and I have a partnership in and, and I have a stake in. That's what we want to see. Finally, um, just the other day, uh, I was in a Regions Beyond uh, Leaders meeting, just on, on Zoom, and someone brought uh, this passage that really just stuck with me. It's uh, Paul, as he's so just towards the end of Acts, as he's brought um, to give an account, he's, he's about to be shipped off to uh, Rome to face trial before Caesar, 
but he's, he's brought out before um, I forget the one guy's name it's not Felix but the, um, Agrippa um, brought out and he's, and he's given an opportunity to give an account for what he's done and he says in reference to his ministry in taking the gospel around the world he says I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision and I just thought I want to be able to say that I want us as a church to say the vision that we've been given for North Hull and for the regions beyond us we were not disobedient to that vision we, we held it and we, be, we belonged to it and we carried it well 